0: All right, welcome to Give Me One Reason. I am here today with Megan Trim, my new friend. Hello. Hi Megan. And we are here to just talk about life, man. We're we've already been talking, so it's like I'm like, "Oh my god, we should record cuz what you're saying was so good and blah blah blah." And so, um I knew when I met you that we had a connection and yeah. kind of were spirit animals, you know. <laughs> and I appreciate my stepmom getting us hooked up and um Can you tell me how old you are, Megan? I'm 30. I'm gonna be 31 in a couple weeks. Oh, so you are technically a true millennial.
1: Yeah, I I, I'm kind of an elder millennial. Okay. Um, because I still I remember when the Twin Towers fell, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) I was an adult when the iPhone came out, but yeah, Yeah. millennial.
0: Yeah, yeah. That is one of those defining moments, the Twin Towers. Yeah. For me, I'm way older than you. Um, well. I do not remember the day Kennedy was shot, because I was only five days old. Oh, wow. But I
1: do remember... Yeah, that's, that's the difference between me and, like, a younger millennial. Yeah. Is that, like, I remember it vividly. I was sitting in my eighth grade uh, social studies class yeah. with the TVs on, and younger millennials would have been, like, five, and they yeah. probably would have had their parents tell them and saw footage later. And, you know, so there's yeah. this difference of perception a little bit there.
0: Actually, I guess that was a big day for me, too, even at 55, because... That was, what, 18 years ago or, no, 11. I don't even know. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But I was trying to think of an event. You know, it's not comparable at all. But one event that I remember, coming home from school, I was in, like, junior high. My mom crying was the day Elvis died. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mother just sobbing and being devastated. And, like, I was, like, I thought for sure my dad died or something or my little brother or oh. something. I was like mom, and she was like
1: Elvis died, and I get it.
0: She was a big Elvis fan, but yeah, and it was a reaction a lot of people had. But um, I felt
1: that way about Tom Petty. Yeah, he was one of those guys I just thought would never. He, w- he yeah. would never go. He was immortal. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, is he that old? Was he? Did he die being old? Uh, no, I don't. Re- I don't remember. I think yeah. he's my, about my parents' age. I think he's maybe in his sixties. Maybe. I don't think he's quite.
0: I don't. know But I, you know, I, I really don't know. Enough. So what, what are some influences that really like kind of shaped you as, uh, as a 30 ish millennial was music a big part?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I'm kind of a weirdo. Um, I was like an angry teenager.
0: Did you like bright eyes? Oh, excuse me? <laughs> oh, you don't know what bright eyes was? Okay, he was an emo guy. Like okay. a,
1: an e- no, but I liked AFI and um, you know other bands whose names no one uh-huh. knows uh-huh. Um Yeah, so I listened to a lot of alternative music mm-hmm. when, I, when I was a teenager. I still do, um, but it's a lot more happy now. I like yeah. Father John Misty. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you
0: characterize him as happy, but more folky. Yeah. Less screaming. Yeah. I used to call that screaming music... Um, it's a terrible name, but I coined this term, Kill Your Mother Music. Oh, lovely. Like, oh my god. Screamo. Yeah, yeah Screamo. The screamo, yeah. yeah. And do you know there was a whole underground Christian yes. movement of Screamo music? I spent l-
1: probably too much time when I was, like, a very young teenager at the Christian coffee shop down in Rockford. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Watching Christian Screamo and, wow. and ska music. Yeah. 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 So that, I can't say I have a t- typical... <laughs>
0: you like experience. that ska music too the christian Scott music what was yeah. the christian ska band called um do you remember fire iron frenzy oh yeah 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 my kids love them and um i could probably still sing
1: like all of their lyrics oh
0: my god yeah how about like norma jean or um i don't know let's think of some of. The-
1: no there was a
0: local band named felix culpa have you ever heard of them yes yeah, like yeah. those are my boys' friends' group. My no so, way! My son is on the front cover of their album. Oh my gosh! Their first album, I think it was, but they have a, just a blonde guy in the front. That's my son, Ryan. I don't remember their album art. The one we were talking about, yeah, okay. earlier. Yeah. Cool. Holy yeah, moly. Yeah, they grew up together, all of them kids. Yeah.
1: I was obsessed with a local band called Magnum Opus. Oh! For a long time, it was a ska band. And
0: I wouldn't necessarily say they were a Christian band, but they yeah. played at the Christian coffee shop sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was wow. good stuff. I remember I grew up in the Christian music bubble when it came up in the '70s, and um, so I grew up in a Christian bubble, like Christian rock, Christian—I mean, really cool stuff, like Striper. I didn't know any metal bands, but I knew Striper. Okay, uh, my <laughs> husband, who grew up not like that, when well, he said we would cartoon off of Striper, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's like, oh my God! So I'm like in their spandex pants and their bumblebee outfits, and wow. I used to love to just crank up two heads the devil i don't know if you ever heard no that. i oh haven't my god you gotta like that, you sounds have, a, that sounds amazing you have got to youtube striper okay. to how with the devil okay really interesting yeah. and i saw my cornerstone which i used to go for years to this underground like it wasn't underground but it was like woodstock for christians it wasn't normal christian it wasn't like fish fest mm-hmm. they had all the bands that were radical like me without you and um all those bands that, like i don't know it just had statements and touted things yeah. and my kids loved it. That was part of their culture, and everybody was grunged out and I loved crazy Switchfoot. <gasps>
1: yeah, and yeah. there's another band I can't think of the name of. Their album was called Two Lefts Don't Make a Right. Huh. Anyway, yeah, um, good stuff.
0: Have you ever heard of Cademan's Call?
1: Familiar, but probably okay. Not. That was a
0: pretty big, uh, probably as big as Switchfoot, and um, I really wasn't too much into them, but. Um, I've just become familiar with their lead singer is now an atheist. Oh wow. And um his name is Derek Webb. Who is David Bazan? Do you remember David Bazan with um
1: Oh, my kids. No. I you're winning
0: with the name thing. I'm not winning? that great with names. But it, he's it was really introspective and um very real. You know, probably mm-hmm. too real for Christian radio.
1: I, I like um yeah, but I didn't al- always listen to Christian music. I was like
0: Yeah. I
1: love Linkin Park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they I would say their music carried me through some dark times in my life. Yeah. Um that was one of my big favorites. Wow. And my parents but my parents and my grandparents have a big influence on my music life too. So yeah. I love oldies. Yeah. Um and uh, like my parents are wonderful and they yeah. have been married for thirty six years now. Um they would just like they they kept their record collections and they would just yeah. put on records and I remember being a little kid and just Aww. dancing to music that they loved from Oh,
0: that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I know we have a jukebox in there, and I have a record player, oh, cool. you, and we listen to records. Cool. And then I have a HomePod that I play Best of Bread at least ten times a week. I, I just <laughs> love it. It just makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, music is huge influence. and I, th- In fact, I had a book idea the other day. I always get ideas. It's like too many ideas. I don't have time. But yeah. there's been some pivotal songs in my life, and I would like to write like a, a one-page essay about each song. Yeah. Like I remember being a little girl, like five or six, on a swing with my little raggedy and radio <laughs> singing along to I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. Oh, cool. And then I remember being, knowing my parents were going to get a divorce mm. at a summer campground, playing Jeremiah was a Bullfrog in the mm. mm-hmm. background. And so whenever I hear that song, that takes me back to that moment. Yeah. And um, just then even darker things that, like, are just. Wow, but that song just triggers you, you know. Mm. So, did you grow up in a Christian home, Megan, or not a Christian home? Um, well, church going or religious, or how would
1: you say it? On and off. We're oh, Catholics, yeah. Roman Catholics. Um, and my grandfather is a huge Christian influence in my life, and he passed away when I was ten. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my parents are really good people, and um. I would say they're faithful Catholics, but they don't go to church every Sunday, Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, they, um, so, so on and off, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. but the thing that, so I was, I've always been kind of drawn to God and religion and those kinds of things, and there have been times in my life where I think maybe I was a little bit, like, like I shot my boat, I was a little bit off my, not, not living in reality Mm -hmm. with, with, with Christianity sometimes, Mm -hmm. and. They would, <laughs> they would like try to call me back. They're like, you don't, you don't have to go to church today. <laughs> you right, know, right? Um, so they, I would, you know, they, they are spiritual people. They believe in Jesus. They, um, they are extremely like ethical and wonderful, and, and they have like a healthy skepticism to them too. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah.
0: Do you think it is healthy to have skepticism? I do.
1: Tell me why. Um. I think when you grow up. In a faith, mm-hmm. uh, you get kind of stuck in the language of that faith, mm. and I don't know. Being Roman Catholic, as I'm sure ex- you know, exists in other denominations too. Some of that language is really destructive and toxic. Mm. Um, you know, that like being a little girl y- is your secondary all the time, or you're complementary to men, or your your greatest nature is to mm-hmm. nurture. Um, yeah, and so, so I, and when you grow up with those things just surrounding you, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't question them enough, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think a lot of people are driven away from the church, and I think rightly so, mm-hmm. because those things are horrible, yeah. and you need another perspective to inform you, um, so I, I did, I did become an atheist for a while, and my siblings are still atheists, and I, I respect that about them. Because it means that you question. Um, and so when you come back to religion, you have to come back with the maturity, mm. you know, to kind of like be okay with ambiguity and to not accept those things that Christians say that really aren't coming from God. Mm. You know, I think there's a lot of Christian language that does not
0: really come from the Holy Spirit. And you see that clear after coming back to being Absolutely. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: I had, it was like, just create, you know, it was a. I didn't do it intentionally, but it was it created boundaries for me. Mm. Um, things in the church that were
0: were unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful because so much in the church is unhealthy. I would argue. Yeah. So much in the church, and we don't really give people, and I think I'm generalizing, but we often don't give people the room to question and yeah. to and to. It's like, oh my God! You're questioning everything, your whole identity. How dare you? People you're talk worldly. About it. You're you're part. You're being deceived yes. by the devil. And yes, and they really talk about it
1: like it's dangerous. Yeah, I think it's the most important thing you can do. Hmm. You know, God gave you your intellectual faculties mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah, you know, it's not like some trick. <laughs> yeah, you know, He wants you to really think about it, and mm-hmm. then when you come back to Him mm-hmm. after questioning everything, your faith is really
0: stronger and more mature than ever. Wow, that is so beautiful. Now, oftentimes I don't talk to, I haven't had the opportunity to talk to somebody who was a believer, became an atheist, and is back to being. Yeah. Um, what a lovely perspective, a different, unique perspective. Yeah. Um,
1: I know, I'm alone. I'm v- very alone. <laughs> I know only a few other people who've gone through that experience.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you're familiar with the term like deconversion and deconstruction? Not so much. So that's a new term. Um, that Derek Webb, I was telling you, that was the lead singer of Cayman's Call. Mm-hmm. He um, talks a lot about it, but a lot, a lot of it's out there in atheism. They think a lot of the atheism the movements, you know, puts out there that a lot of Christians are leaving the faith, and I believe that's true. That is true, and I believe especially your generation. And I think we, with good reason, like I said. Yeah, tell yeah. me some of those reasons.
1: Oh my God. I can, uh. I feel like the list is never-ending, just okay. the, like, religion is set up in so many spaces to be force-fed to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Pablo Friere, who was a, um, I'm gonna get this wrong, so, somewhere in South American, um, education professor, okay. who basically came up with this theory that has, like, changed the way that we think about education, not as a basically, like, receptacle system where people are just dumping things into you. But when, you know, when a student really comes to own the ideas, they're participating. Mm. They're c- they're calling back. They're asking questions. They're mm. inputting their own perspective into it. Mm-hmm. And that creates a deeper kind of learning. Mm. And religion hasn't learned that lesson yet. It's mm. very receptacle. It's very, like, you accept this because this comes from above. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not allowed to, to take it in and measure it by our own experience, you mm. know. But that's... <laughs> That's what it means to be in the world, to be alive. You mm-hmm. have an experience. And religion asks you to deny that experience so much, when really that's what can
0: inform you. So true. Wow. Do you think there's things in our Christian culture that have um, contributed uh, to atheism? Yeah, I'm not even done, like, I mean, just look at,
1: like, sex abuse. Yeah. Um, the. <laughs> So many times a religion has failed to be on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. Um, always creating the other and another group to exclude. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, And in a lot of ways, especially prior to the 1970s, but still, yeah, it's still, still. there. Still. Um, LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. that whole spectrum of people, um, have just been absolutely pushed away and dehumanized by the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I... I love to look for exceptions to that rule, but they're hard know, to find. They're really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, it always breaks my heart when I have a gay friend, even somebody my age. I have I have many, but one lady lives out in California, and uh, with her partner, and she, whenever she gets a chance, she says things like, "You were the only Christian I knew that accepted me." Yeah. And I think of the hundreds people that she's met and maybe thousands in her life or, Yeah, you know, that's heartbreaking. That is isn't that? like a badge of honor for me. That's like, where <laughs> the hell yeah. is the love? Where yeah. are people coming up and why are we not, you know, what is wrong with us? I just think, so God gives,
1: and God gives everybody their free will, mm-hmm. you know, and respects that to no end. And if God respects it, and I'm not saying that that defines the queer experience, it certainly doesn't, mm-hmm. speaking as a queer person, but just the Christian behavior. I mean, if God is going to respect my decisions, what is wrong with you? Right. So there's so there's. So that. you identify as queer. Yeah. Yeah. And what does that mean to you, honey? Um, so for me, it has been kind of a long experience mm-hmm. on that. Um, I kind of discovered this. After repressing it for quite a long time, mm-hmm. but I'm pansexual,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which means I, I've, I'm attracted romantically and mm-hmm. uh, and sexually to all genders, mm-hmm. and um, just humans. Humans are beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And also, my own gender is kind of, I'm gender fluid. Yeah. So, my experience of gender, just is it just is not, what I hear other people. It took me yeah. a long time because I was like, well you know, we'd be in a class talking about feminism or whatever, and I'd be like, well, I'm a woman, so Mm -hmm. expand your idea of what it means to be a woman, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) because here I am, like, Mm -hmm. rough and tough, and I know that's not the case. There are a lot of women who um, present masculine or Mm -hmm. feel, you know, whatever, but for me, it's much more like, I feel like I'm resonating either in a feminine space or Mm -hmm. in a masculine space at a certain time Mm -hmm. or, or in something completely other than that, and
0: so that's where I'm at with that beautiful. Yeah. That's good. And that's something that's confusing to a lot of people right now. Yeah. And but all it takes to understand a little bit. First of all, I don't need to completely understand what it's like to be in your body to affirm you as a human being, as a beautiful person. I think so. so I don't know why we think that. Yeah. We do kind of have this feeling like, well, I have to completely get why you say the things you say. Or you don't exist. <laughs> or I cannot condone you. I, you yeah. know, I get really tired like, of this I thing. I don't
1: speak Russian, but I, I respect it as a language. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I hate that thing like, well, we can't condone their lifestyle. Well, what the hell do you mean by that? Like, what? Yeah. They, they go out and they make cookies and let me... Lem- <laughs> Feed their children, mock their dog. I yeah. Mean, what about their lifestyle makes it like, you yeah. know. But I do remember, I have to tell you, I've been very blind at times in my life. I remember my son lived in the Castro District with his wife. I've always loved gay people and had a heart for gay men and, and women. But especially gay men, being a mama, nurturing person, they're always drawn to me more, you mm-hmm. know. And I've always really enjoyed those type of relationships. But um, I remember mm-hmm. going to the Castro District, which, you know, is like the largest, you know, gay population in the country. And my son and his wife lived there, one of the uh, you know, minority straight people. And I remember the first time I went, I was just, like, blown away. And there was rainbow flags everywhere and in the, the sidewalks and in the concrete. And uh, Memorial to Emma um, Harvey Milk. He mm-hmm. was assassinated there because he was the mm-hmm. – and uh, just beautiful things. And um, there was the gay church, which was the gym, of course. That's what they called it, the gay men's church. But I remember seeing this gay couple in front of me, this two men holding hands. And there were obviously a couple and they were talking. I was close enough to hear their conversation and it was about the Quran and the Bible. And one was saying, Well, you know that in the Quran there's those same verses. And the other one was going, I don't I don't know that. We're gonna go home and look at it. And I was looking at my son, like, Oh my god, Mikey, they're like having a spiritual conversation. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Yeah. Mom, that's okay. okay. Oh. Gay men walk their dog, talk about <laughs> things important. Yes. Take a nap. Yes. You know, go to sleep. You That's, know, just be uh, normal. You think people think everybody's just as, like, looking to have sex all the time or... That's so horrible. I know. and It's I, such a stereotype. I, 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 I didn't think, people... think I had it. Yet. Yeah. And I realized when I was blown away by these two young men talking about something serious and religion, religious, I was, like, surprised. And I was really ashamed of myself, honey. But it happens it but you, get, you get to we're we all
1: learning about each other right we are we are all learning about yeah. each other all the time yeah but yeah that's an awful stereotype and i will say like there are so many christians who identify as spiritual mm-hmm. and they are yearning for you know inclusion and a place where they can take that spiritual curiosity further mm-hmm. in a group setting in mm-hmm. a church mm-hmm. and have you know and have been so mm-hmm. set apart in a bad way and ostracized and it's not a safe space to to be in a church and so like you know christianity wants to save the queers Mm -hmm. maybe think about um getting off your high horse Mm -hmm. yeah
0: (laughs) i remember 20 years ago seeing that you know the aids epidemic and how the church was way worse than believe it or not about gay people i'm sure it hasn't come much farther i've heard stories has not come much farther but i remember thinking there's a whole mission field, thousands of young people dying, men dying, mostly men at the time, dying alone yeah, because of religion. Yeah. And how sad. And it was just a mission field we totally neglected. Like, nope, want no part of that. And it was like, you know, did you know that you've heard of the Jesus hippie movement, yeah. right? That was literally started by a young man named Lonnie Frisbee. And you should look him up. He was a hippie who went on an acid trip in the mountains in California and found God. Whoa. Now, I have literally interviewed two hippies (laughs) that have had a similar experience. I just haven't put the podcast up. Okay. One of them was so cute. He was like, he's really a stoner hippie. Okay. And he's actually at at one of the colleges I teach. And we had this great interview. And he basically found God. I said, how do you know there's a God? He goes, one time I was on acid. And I... This thing, and the whole world opened up to me, and after I came down, it was still so real to me. And I totally believed him, but he was so cute. He's like, can you not post that because blah, blah, blah. Timothy Leary would be disappointed. It was kind of cute. But anyway, I'm like, dude, he's dead. It's okay, but whatever. But Lonnie Frisbee met another hippie, and he goes, I know this guy named Chuck Smith who might let us talk to him. And Chuck Smith was a pastor. Who took the risk of letting all these dirty, drugged-out hippies uh, yeah. into his church, and it literally started the whole revival of the Jesus movement? It started on an acid trip, but interestingly enough, I love that. I just, I God speaks yeah. to people through it's whatever beautiful. means. All things it's, come together. All <laughs> things. It's beautiful, but then you know it's sad, honey. Yeah. So he's that was literally the last greatest revival in our country. Mm. That was his huge revival. If you study it, I have a. I have all things vintage in here, and I have a Look magazine from 1971 with these hippies on it. It's the Jesus Revolution. Wow. But that was the last great revival in our country. And that man in the 80s or the late 70s, I'm not sure when it was. You have to find out. came out. He came out as gay. Mm. And guess what? He died alone of AIDS. That's awful. And he was literally responsible for a whole generation coming to Jesus, who, in my opinion, then sold out and became the religious right, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe your generation will do it better.
1: Well, so let's talk about that for a minute, because I don't have the same, I feel like, I feel like, and it, don't get me wrong, but um, I feel like there's this value that you have on the idea that there could be another Christian, uh, what do you call it, revival in the country. I don't have that value I want because I think the Holy Spirit works in the places that are in between people and we have so much to learn mm. from people who are not like us mm. that um, when I think about God taking over our country again that looks a lot more like um, diversity mm-hmm. and respect mm-hmm. and um, like reverence inclusion to, yeah inclusion and re- just reverence in life yes alive. But no, just, but also just, just reverence for each other mm-hmm. because God is in each one of us, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so your background or whatever makes you different mm-hmm. for me is something I can learn from, you know, God didn't make everybody white <laughs> and Christian. Amen. We have a lot to learn from each other.
0: And I, I do like, okay, so being older and raised in that, uh, what's the word you want? Uh, the word I want? Um, language. You were talking about language yeah. earlier. Yep. I am looking for a revival of the love of God. Yes. But you're right. I, I I'm really not looking it for it to be through the church. I, I don't think it will be. I don't think it wasn't then. Yeah. No I, I don't think it was in the beginning. Jesus did not pray through the church. Okay. Yeah. It was through the you know what I mean to be you know, but he hung out with the prostitute, that's he right. hung out with the, the thief, the criminal. That's right. Um that's where the love of God Sprung a revival that threatened the religious system. Yeah, so much so that they had to kill him. They had to. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. And yeah. I, yeah, and I,
1: I get that. I didn't, I didn't mean to put you in a box either. No, no no, 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 no,
0: no. I know that my verbiage, I'm trapped yes. sometimes by in that language.
1: But your whole, your whole history that I've heard about is very much outside the box. In that well, way. you know, mm-hmm. I had
0: a church at a bar when it wasn't popular, and when people were like writing about me in the newspaper, you know, guest editorials, pastors, and um the comments had to be disabled in the Jamesville Gazette after 894. Not because of the atheists, but because of the pastors. Oh, yeah. Saying, I hope Kathy helps people put down their beer and pick up their Bible. And it was so cool. My elder at the time, I had an elder even at our little bar church, he uh, he would usually buy Crown Royal Communion. That's what we did. We did shots. But anyway, I mean, we didn't do shots like that. We had communion with Crown Royal shots. Yeah. But he said... Uh, he got to write an editorial and it said it's so much easier to put down a beer than to put down self-righteousness amen yeah or judgment yeah. and um but yeah wow people didn't like it that you were going outside of the box mm-hmm. to minister even though that's Jesus' example yeah and i was raised my whole life thinking if you loved god and doing the right thing the church is like yeah, yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. the world is not a part of your life when it's you look so at christ's random. example it's the opposite <laughs> absolutely yeah. This is church right here. I don't need to go to church. In fact, once you've been to church where you can say fuck and cry and have Crown Royal Communion, it's really hard. Yeah. To
1: go back. I really like I so I became an episcopal in the last yeah four months. Yeah. Um, and I really like my church because so I being coming from Catholicism, I love yeah. to get quiet and have that like reverent time, yeah. you know. So I get that from that. You probably community. like the structure too. I do. Like, yeah. Get, yeah. And I and I, you know, we take communion every Sunday, and it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It is. It absolutely centers me. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I love about my church is that, like, different Episcopal, different from Catholic, is that there's so much humility in the in the theology, and whether or not the people actually like accept it, like we have this thing over the top of us saying, "Love first, mm. Like, open the doors. Be welcoming. Mm-hmm. Accept people as they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you get a leader or somebody who doesn't get that, then there's this, then the, basically the, you know, the, the authority of the scripture is over them to, to do differently, mm. which I think is beautiful because in the Catholic Church it feels very much the same. You've got this, you've got scripture, and then you've got this hierarchy of people who are like, no, don't do that. Do what we tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's, I can say that. <laughs> yeah. Because I, that's my history and I'm kind of a, I'm a recovering catholic uh-huh. um but i will say i i went to a catholic college a lot of my family's catholic and i know that there are people who get so much out of that mm-hmm. faith and i think that's wonderful but oh. i couldn't take it anymore as a woman and as a queer person right and as somebody who's really concerned with social justice i, c- I just couldn't do it <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore and i know <laughs> other
0: people that love their catholic faith because of like social justice yes and because of their ministry to the poor yes and but you know so our experiences don't always line up with somebody else's. And we are free to reject A and go to B. Yeah. And I am, I love, like, I think Frederick Beekner, isn't he Episcopal? He's, like, oh, amazing. I mean, I love, love, love some Episcopal authors. I resonate with the Episcopals. I resonate with Quakers. I, love Quakers. I do, too. I love. If I could be any religion right now, I, w- I would love to call myself a Quaker. Quaker. Only one problem. They have very silent services, and I'd have to shut up. <laughs> my son went once to one, my, my brain-injured younger son, and he said, Mama, I went to a Quaker service today with so-and-so. I don't think you could do it. <laughs> and he said, you have to be quiet oh, for an hour. Yeah. Quakers are wonderful. One of my,
1: my best, closest mentors in college was um, Quaker. And yeah.
0: Yes. And I ugh. I love, love their magazine. Yeah. They have a magazine called The Friends Journal. Okay. I cannot wait to get it every month. And the first thing I read is the obituaries. Oh, wow. I read these obituaries of people I don't know. And I weep. Yeah. They, um, I changed my mind on dying, like, in obituaries. Like, they say things about that person's life. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so-and-so was battling alcoholism till the day he died. So-and-so divorced his wife in 19... 83 but they remain best friends because he found his partner tom Aww. um so and so they don't like hide that they were divorced or yeah. hide that they were gay and yeah hide anything about them their weaknesses are still laid out there yeah it's beautiful and so i love to read these strangers obituaries and what's also beautiful about quakers is they don't stop their um life's calling because they retire they'll say like um one man yeah. at 88 was using his cane, still got in the front of an Israeli truck at the Palestinian wow. Israeli yeah. line. You know, um, they're still teaching children in their 90s in urban areas how to read. They're yeah. still like, their life's passion is their life's passion until they die. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So they don't really retire. Another thing you'd appreciate about Quakers, you probably know this, their women are so educated. Almost every woman you read in there. It'll say Bessie got her bachelor's in 1937 and her masters in 1942. You're yeah. like, who did that in 1942? Very few women.
1: yeah, you know what I mean? They're very egalitarian and very yeah. yes
0: yeah and very pro LGBTQ and very uh, into racial equality and social That's justice nice. and mm-hmm.
1: yeah and being at a meeting is really a, a cool experience. And I think I for listeners, if you haven't been, it is it's incredible. It's an incredible experience of like mm-hmm. embracing each other and and being embraced by a community where you 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 I mean you feel that mm-hmm. quality. is it's embodied in the whole experience of being at the meeting. That's beautiful. Yeah,
0: I should go to one. Did you go to one? Have you ever gone to one locally? Or? I
1: haven't been since
0: uh, Chicago. I went with my mentor. Okay, because yeah. I know there used to be one in the Blake College uh, campus. Okay, yeah, could be, but I don't know if it still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see also, like, um, kids that are especially have grown up evangelical in our culture, a lot of them are becoming atheists, and I think part of it is because we never let them think for themselves. Absolutely. And we told them what to believe, but we also didn't want to hear their doubts. Yeah. We equated doubting with the devil. Yeah. You know? And... I that's just not, think that it's not fair and really it's not us in the rear it end. It does. I mean can
1: we talk about parenting for a minute? Please. <laughs> so my response to that is to raise my kids agnostic essentially. Yeah. Um, well, when my youngest daughter was born, I was an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of agnostic and kind of wondering what I was gonna do mm-hmm. with this spiritual experience. And now I'm a Christian, and I'm studying to be a chaplain, and so it's very much a part of our lives. Um, and my daughter is an atheist, slash agnostic, slash I can see God working on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but my but I am proud of the fact that I've taught her to think for herself. Mm-hmm. So that whatever she ends up with mm-hmm. will be something that she understands. And that she owns. And she owns. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think... The way that I was raised, not by my parents, but by my church um, and by my friends who were evangelical too, Mm -hmm. and I did spend a lot of time in evangelical spaces. Um, You're gonna grow up, you're going to be expected to, you know, cook for yourself and solve all kinds of problems. Of course you're gonna have to solve your spiritual problems too Mm -hmm. and if you're not Mm -hmm. equipped with that, Mm -hmm. you're not equipped to to be, you -hmm. know, that it's okay for you to think for yourself, the only answer is to leave, I
0: think, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there used to be this phrase, God doesn't have grandchildren. And we used to use it in a way like, you know, evangelically, like you have to, have, you have to get saved yourself just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you're saved. Mm-hmm. But I think I look at it differently. Like um, we all have, it's our spiritual birthright to have our own relationship with God. Yeah. And an encounter with God. And I, stupidly, foolishly, whatever, have faith that God will reveal himself to every human being on this earth, whether it's in this space in time or the next space in time. Yeah. You know, and I don't think he's... Can he, I ask you a question? Yeah.
1: Because I'm still, I, I mean, I'm I'm still pretty new in my Christian journey. And one yeah. of the things that bothers me still that I do a lot of thinking about is, you know, doesn't God reveal to people, himself to people in different ways, in different spaces? So my friends who are Hindu... Mm-hmm. Are they not praying to the same God?
0: <coughs> I definitely believe they are. <laughs> because I don't think if God is real, he's really hung up on what his name is. Yeah. He didn't even give us a name for himself no, for he didn't. thousands of years. No. And you know what's interesting is um I think he reveals himself in a way that we can handle. Absolutely. And all of us are different. We were talking about the movie The Shack. Yep. And I this won't spoil it, but the big controversy about the movie Shack is that God is a black woman in there. Mhm. Freaked the hell out of people. Mm. But I thought they just did that to be edgy or like, like we're talking about not edgy, but like just all inclusive. Yeah. No. They, they, in the movie, the man had this experience, which the whole movie is Mm -hmm. of his experience. And in the movie, God came to him as a, as a, as a black woman. The reason for that was he had a real problem with his father. His father was abusive. So for him to relate to a father god, papa, yeah, being an, an endearing thing was not possible. Yeah. There was this black lady in his neighborhood that loved him as a little kid and would make him apple pie. Yeah. And nurture him. Yeah. So how would God get to that man's heart and reveal himself? Well, he came through the body and voice of a black woman. Yeah. Who had the same face as the woman that That's made him beautiful. the pie. So when I understood why they did it, I thought, okay, wouldn't it be beautiful if that's who God is, that he reveals himself in the way that we need it and understand it and can handle it and can can actually discern it. And how beautiful is that? Yeah. And he just jumps out of our boxes that we put him in. Right. If God is all powerful, why do we keep sticking him in boxes? Uh, Yeah. And it's our way or the highway. And it's just Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: I think we are our own worst enemy when it comes to. Yeah recruitment. So I'm
1: not I am not afraid for my daughter who's agnostic and I'm not afraid for my my siblings who are atheists mm-hmm. because I know that they are good and goodness comes from God. And yeah. so whatever in their life is 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 nurturing them and nurturing mm-hmm. the good in them that's coming from God. Mm-hmm.
0: And and so what do I have to worry about? <laughs> and I've always said this thing, if God is love, right? Yeah. If God ceases to love, he ceases to be God. Mm so he is love period love is what matters and jesus continually. Well, people say what about the bible jesus himself continually challenged scripture yeah you've heard it said if you oh, yeah. go you know sleep with another man's wife i tell you if you do this if you think about it now yeah. he didn't say that to like make those people feel guilty he said it to say well, we've all in the same boat you've heard it said this i'm going to tell you this
1: mm-hmm.
0: jesus himself disregarded the way the law was written and rewrote it simple you know what the whole law all 613 rules all the things the shrimp the gay the whatever everything you can yep. find love your neighbor love god that's yep. it
1: yep that's our theology i gotta i gotta bring this up i've been thinking a lot
0: about queerness
1: in theology yeah and i've been listening to some really wonderful podcasts but one of the things that comes up is this like clobber verse is in first timothy um I guess I can't even think of how it goes but there's a list of like infractions or something yes um, either idolaters yeah or d- people the kingdom of God yeah yeah sexual sin basically yeah. is talking about yeah. like I think about sexual sin as you know was it not consensual mm-hmm. was it compulsive and right. addicted like selfish what, oriented yeah right yeah. so those are the, those are the questions that come up for me but right before it gets into that whole list of awful things it says the goal of this command is love. Mm-hmm. Like, we are looking at scripture. The whole point is love. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about, like, people who are using the law mm-hmm. improperly because they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, as a queer person, I have to hear that. I, I, I hear that, like, the goal of this command is love. And people mm-hmm. who are using the scripture
0: unlovingly mm-hmm. are misusing it. Um, I remember... I got an argument with somebody about if i said if i could i would love to go to all the gay prides and represent christ in a better way and somebody said if you haven't even been to a gay pride fest this was like six years ago my husband and i i'm like what do i want to go and my husband and i the next week went to hawaii for our uh, summer trip we usually try to take a trip every year i went to waikiki accidentally airbnb'd on top of the apartment on top of the oldest gay bar in Waikiki wow on pride weekend wow it was so beautiful i got to experience Pride weekend i got the owner of the club loved me he got me so toked on uh, my ties I, I could <laughs> luckily we were just upstairs my husband had to carry me up there but the next morning i was so excited okay and i was blown away by a couple things i didn't realize i didn't realize pride parades are so full of companies and corporations churches Mm -hmm. the army all these people coming out that weren't gay just saying we love our gay brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. we support our gay employees we love our beautiful Mm -hmm. oh my gosh all the straight people involved in this parade i was blown away there was this preacher on the corner with a megaphone and he had this huge sign of course neither idolaters liars homosexuals and I don't know if it's the first Timothy verse. I'm bad about knowing where things are. Me too. Will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Kay? But I knew that verse by heart. I Homosexual didn't know is the not reference. Not word in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know the right. I know. Yeah. But I knew the next part of the verse. Yeah. And the next part of the verse, of course, he didn't have that on his signs. And you and know what it said? It said, "Such were you, but you have all been washed in the blood of the Lamb." Yeah. So whatever this list is that you have, it's immaterial. Yeah. Because we've all been watching the boat lamp. So I said, Hey, do you know the rest of the verse? And he's like, What are you talking about? I said, Do you know the rest of the verse? Yeah. We're not that anymore. This sign doesn't apply to us anymore. Yeah. None of us are these things. And he was like, Go away. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But this Couple next to me, this lesbian couple, were like, "Oh, thank you." And I said, "Well, it's the truth, you know. And if you look for the word uh, homosexual, you know, there's so much study that's been done on it. But it definitely speaks to pedophilia in the church, yeah. You know, and we did not have a word homosexual until what 19. And it's not talking
1: about loving consensual relationships. No, you know, when Paul is talking about, he's talking about the Greek,
0: yes, habit
1: of taking young boys as as basically apprentices and sex slaves, you know, until they were old enough to do it to somebody else, which is obvious, obviously awful. Awful. Right. And we should not do that. Yeah. (laughs) That is not love. Yeah. Right. And it's, it really, as a queer person, many, how easy it is for Christians to equate homosexuality and and pedophilia Mm. is just disgusting to me. It is. It's awful. Especially when.
0: We have the stats and the facts yeah. that say that it is a high percentage of religious white oh, males. That are pedophiles? Yes. 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 Yeah. And religion is a big part of people that are pedophiles. You know, it's always been the Catholic Church, but this week uh, the Southern Baptists got their yep. up-and-comments. You yep. know, over 700 cases have been squelched and yeah. hidden and, um, I personally was a victim of sexual abuse for a very long time. Yeah. And I remember, I, it was when I was in my junior high years, and I was in a Lutheran school, and I remember going to a sleepover, and, um, I'm just gonna tell you, five girls at that little sleepover were being sexually molested at that point. Oh my God. And it was all church-going families. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's so awful. and it
0: it was just a kind of a thing that happened. Yeah, and it and nobody talked nobody about it. talked about it because God forbid our, our family would be shamed in public, or and then you didn't want what would happen? Like you don't want somebody to go to prison. You don't want you know, and you begin to what it does does to you is yeah. just horrible. Yeah, you know, it makes you responsible for everybody else's actions. Which sets you up to be, you know, codependent, blah, 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 yeah. blah. You know, welcome to my life, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just really interesting how we like to look at this. I have never been assaulted by a, a gay person. I have been by straight people. Yeah. How come we're not talking about that? Yeah. You know? I don't understand.
1: Actually, so, I, let me color that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know three people who have been... <laughs> women who have been raped by um, by gay men. Mm. And because those gay men were in uh, Christian churches where mm. they were not allowed to be gay and they were trying to prove to themselves and to God oh, my gosh, yeah. that they were heterosexual mm. at the expense of this woman. And I think women. And so, I mean, does that just show you what's going on in the church? That treating women as second class and telling Telling homosexual people that homosexuality doesn't exist sets Mm -hmm. up this awful situation. And, like, Mm -hmm. the other one of the other beautiful things that's come out of queer theology is just the bringing back to the forefront the idea that you know we will know good works because of the fruit that they bear, Mm -hmm. you know. And Mm -hmm. all of this has borne nothing but pain and
0: suffering. And that's such a great scripture you bring up. Yeah, you will know them by their fruits, right? And what is the fruit of a lot of these ministries? It's misogyny. It's it's you know, violence. It's patriarchy, violence. Violence. Yeah. I I I yeah.
1: my bachelor's degrees in peace, justice, and conflict studies, and I take a really broad idea of what violence means. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically re- I, I would characterize it as anything that hinders a person from reaching their potential. Mm. You know, so that includes all this all structural violence, cultural mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, we're talking about real situations where people have been physically harmed as mm. violence like the ones we were just talking about we're also talking about situations where people put themselves down internally
0: yeah you or know. kill themselves yes we've been talking a lot about um, I went to the movie Boy Erased did you see it? I
1: haven't seen it yet it's one. It's on my list so my friend
0: was the man talked about in that movie oh my um, I call him my friend because I met him 30 years ago but he's also been my Facebook friend for about 6 years um, I was a part or, you know, a supporter of his original ministry, Love in Action. I just thought that was a beautiful thing at the time. That's where I was. Yeah. You know, God can help you not be gay. Blah, and blah, that's, blah. that's, we're talking about ex-gay ministries. Yes. Yeah. And he, that was like one of the biggest ex-gay ministries was Love in Action. Okay. And conversion therapy is what they did. So you would pretty much mostly send your kid to that ministry, some branch of it. Yeah. And they administered, to, or ministered, I put air quotes, you can't see my air quotes, Yeah. 700,000 People is what I believe. I I could be wrong. Maybe it's seventy. Okay, Ugh. there's a big difference between hundred but it's a big number. Okay, yeah. and the man in the movie um got out after a week, but he kept their manual and stuff, mm. and he believes it saved his life. Mm. And so, twenty five years later or whatever, he's doing this movie. The interesting thing is, my friend that was the executive director, yeah, who was kind of demonized in the movie um came out himself. Yeah. Like 10 15 years ago. Quit and divorced his wife and married his husband. Yeah. And he is living happily gay in his life, putting his life right. I got to say, I got to say. Okay, that. and that's hard, right? Because it's like, okay, so I watched the movie with my husband. And I knowing who the demon villain is and it's yeah. like watching Breaking Bad and you actually know the Walter White character yeah. who they're talking about. I that's how I felt. I'm yeah. like, I know this guy. Yeah. He he feels bad. There's nothing he can do about that. But yeah. I'm like, honey, doesn't he deserve to be happy? And he was like, Yes. But what about the parents whose children killed themselves? Yes. That's I mean, but we're
1: talking about you're talking about a redemption story that has taken 30 years to come to fruition. Yeah. You know, and it's important to tell the part of the story that wasn't redeemed because there are other ministries out there who are still doing this.
0: That is true.
1: In my family, um, my, my husband's parents went through this. Um, they were married for like 20 years, 25 years. Um, and in the end, my father-in-law is gay. And he just is. But they went through so long Mm -hmm. and wasted so much time um, fighting it and and just living in pain um, and going to therapy to try to fix it and and eventually coming to the conclusion that this is who he is. And now he's married um, and has been with his partner for quite a long time. And it's beautiful and everyone is so much healthier now. And I didn't know them back then. Of course, and they don't
0: hate each other or anything.
1: Um, you know, there's tension. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, well, women, it's
0: hard. Like, if you I'm gonna well, I'm
1: gonna say this, and you know, maybe I shouldn't say it on a podcast, but I think that their relationship was such that they probably would have divorced mm-hmm, anyway. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things that you know they didn't. They were unhealthy. Yeah. Together, but
0: that also comes from. <laughs> right. It <laughs> comes up from a lot of two things. different right, and also two different orientations. I don't know how that would. Yeah, and so many men don't feel like they can be but who they are, they, are, so. they are
1: they are wonderful people and they yeah. are, they are wonderful to have as in-laws
0: yeah
1: both my mother-in-law and my father's in-law yeah, um, yeah, that's beautiful. and and they and they come together for their kids and grandkids and yeah um, and they both uh, um, my father-in-law's dad who is um, still living um my mother-in-law has a great relationship with, and so they, they you know, they, they share him, too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. precious. It is precious. But I can see, I mean, I'm lucky to be a queer person who has queer elders to learn from and talk to, so I know mm. the history of those things, and I, I, I kind of know, at least, almost firsthand, at least
0: secondhand, yeah.
1: what those things really did and the fruits that they really do bear, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it is so much pain, and you know, young people especially, when they see the world the way it is and the you know, if you grow up and I've known many young people, several, that killed themselves yeah. because they felt gay and somebody told them it was a demon or yeah. they needed exorcism or yeah. you know, it's or just here's
1: tragic here's Mike up there, you know, saying that he's been he's been relieved of his homosexuality by the Holy Spirit and yeah and why am I not relieved, you know. Yeah. wrong with me but that's the thing the thing about being queer at least for me I'm queer and I also I have depression and always having felt like there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. (laughs) um has been such a thing in my life and I ended up going to a, I followed my sister-in-law to a Christian recovery group Mm -hmm. um that and that has been wonderful and one of the things that I have worked through in that group is shame Mm -hmm. like God God didn't give me all the shame in my life all the shame in my life came from just rejections and you know and but that's not me no i'm
0: what's the phrase Wonderfully, wondrously made fearfully and wonderfully made fearfully and wonderfully and made. you are perfect and holy and righteous before god and so is every person yeah every person i i have a i, I hang out with hippies and that namaste thing you hear and that's beautiful. A, it's such a beautiful thing. The God in me honors the God in you. Yeah. What is wrong with that? And somebody, I've heard people go, oh, that's New Age. No, that's freaking beautiful. It's that's just m- truth. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's Buddhist. It's Sanskrit.
1: Yeah. It is it is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Buddhism informs my Christianity. We've, we've talked about this a little
0: bit. And, the, and I think that's beautiful. And they say that I love that thick non- or how T- do you, tic how do Han? Tick not Han. I'm so bad. It's he's Vietnamese. Okay, so it's
1: it's pronounced tick not Han. Tick not Han. And I'm sure I'm pronouncing tic that wrong han. too. But the T's I've got right.
0: Did you hear that he's sick? I didn't hear that he he's is, sick. He is.
1: He's been ill for quite a while, and um, he's he's in the end of life. Yeah. Whatever that is. It's
0: interesting. Him and Ram Das. I don't you know who, who that is. Ram Das would be like a guru, like some type of. a. He would like him to meet more of a Hindu-type girl, okay. a white guy. But he um, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call it, conferences and retreats and stuff. But he's dying too, and he's writing about it. and oh, wow. The process and yeah. how beautiful and how we I should live today.
1: Thai, Tiknohan, um mm-hmm. who... Thai is teacher in Vietnamese. He's called teacher a lot. Mm-hmm. He is... I was just reading an article. He's beyond the point of and mm-hmm. writing he could, I, he could no longer communicate mm-hmm. um, and so we won't get that experience from him but he has a lot of beautiful writings about yes. life and old age and you know
0: I'll check those out I know I've re- I have his books on other stuff and I know he has a book about Jesus and Buddha-huh
1: he wrote uh, one of my some of my favorite books he wrote mm-hmm. um, I, I have pieces every step um, but he wrote Living Buddha Living Christ. Mm. And it's beautiful and it's about his experience with christians and his experience with christ Mm -hmm. and that he reveres christ and being you know in a culture where they don't have a deity he doesn't Mm -hmm. believe in like a deity but he follows the teachings of jesus along with the teachings of the buddha right right next to each other Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful he talks about all of these like wonderful similarities um so being a christian who's reading that it it, it just really informs, like, this whole mm-hmm. connectedness to God and and connectedness to the spirit that lives in every being mm-hmm. on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's glorious. And one of my other favorite books is The Heart of Buddhist Teaching. So if you're curious about Buddhism and um, want to know a little bit more about it, the first thing to know is Buddha is not a deity. Mm-hmm. He's a teacher of a practice. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to check out those books because they're really good. Yeah. They're really, it's just peaceful, and actually when I was recovering from some of my trauma in my past, um, and at the time I was basically an atheist, and I picked up his books for a class, and it really, it really helped me. I remember just like weeping on the L train mm-hmm. in Chicago, reading um, The Heart of Buddhist Teaching, because it, I, I was allowed to have self-compassion for the first time. I, mm-hmm. I didn't realize I didn't have it until I was really thinking on this and and it moved me and then i kind of realized i I had a whole spirituality that i Mm. really valued
0: in myself too and that i wanted to pursue but Mm. yeah i think when we reject people for whatever reason in our own mind that we justify that yeah it sets them up for a crisis of faith because if you reject me and you don't see me as worthy i must not be worthy so therefore god must think i'm unworthy or there is no god And it's all BS, you know, and then we wonder, oh, then we reject them more because they don't know God. Right. And instead of being a connectivity to God and bringing Mm -hmm. people home, Mm -hmm. instead of like, oh, come meet my daddy, come come (laughs) home. You know what I mean? Come home, meet my, meet this person. You know, when you're really proud of somebody that's at home Mm -hmm. or when you're afraid because your father's a drunk or they're going to be abusive or you don't want your friends to come home, you know, and in many ways, I don't want people to go to church. I know that sounds awful, but no I don't want, no, to, go I to, don't I don't want to go to the wrong church. I definitely don't want to go to the wrong church because it's
1: I don't I see I, was, I didn't grow up I grew up in like Catholic like more reserved mm-hmm. Christian spaces and I don't see evangelism the same way as I've been hearing it now that I've been in in, in other churches. I think about evangelism as you embody the love and welcome of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and you invite people to recognize that in your example mm-hmm. and in the right moment you know, God can use that.
0: Namaste. Yeah. God in me sees the God yes, in you. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so I don't have a goal of, like, talking to people about Jesus mm-hmm. because I don't want to impose myself on them. I want to learn from them, mm-hmm.
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I love uh, a couple of sayings. Well, Martin Luther used to say some really crazy things, like, sin boldly, you know? Um, mm. I love that about him. Like I love that phrase. What yeah, does that just, mean, though? <laughs> Yeah, what does that mean? Like, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. And then he said some other things. One left my brain. I I had chemotherapy last year, and my brain, I swear, I feel like it's Swiss cheese. I should stop saying that because, you know. But um, I think it was St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words.
1: Yes. I love that. And I I remember
0: saying that to some people, and they would just be upset with me. Well, that's compromise. If people don't hear without you, share a preaching of the gospel. No. No. It's it's our hands, our feet, our eyes, a kind smile. Yeah. You know, this week I had this. And you don't
1: worry about what's on the other side, right? Because No, will give people it's not, the not my job. God will give people the eyes to see
0: and the ears to hear. Yes, amen. And, yeah. you know, oftentimes eyes to see and ears to hear, are so, I see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it in church often. <laughs> you know, a lot of times I see that more often in the world than mm-hmm. I see that in religious settings. Because we tend to go into our holy huddle that agrees with us most, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not open. And yeah. people are searching on the outside. They're like... I this can't world is like hurting. More. It's such a shitty world, and people are hurting and looking for truth and looking yes. for something to hang on to. Because yes. you watch the news and it's just despair. Yes. And young people, especially, it's like, okay, when I was a young, I had a future. Okay, my husband could work one job, I could stay at home with my children or raise our family. I could, you know, the economy was different. You know, now your average twenty-five-year-old lives at home. I live because of the economy. I mean, I live with my mother-in-law. It started off as.
1: It started off as uh, objectively me blessing them, yeah. right? So we opened our house to our my niece and nephew um, when there was a family crisis, and uh, that was wonderful. And I cannot tell you how much their presence in our house blessed us. And then my sister in law was reunited with them, and that was a blessing. And she brought things. She taught me so many things about God. And my mother in law moved up in with us, and she she is uh, you know a fierce. Christian and a great yeah. preacher, and she's taught me so much about God. So them, that being in our house was wonderful. So it was very much reciprocal, and God set up the whole situation, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, no, I what we're going with that.
0: 25-year-olds living at home.
1: Yes, but, you know, as the process continued and everybody got settled in, you know, and we're okay, we found a house, we all moved into a little bit of a larger space together my husband and I, because we have that support at home, have been able to address our financial crisis,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and start working on getting out of debt. But we couldn't do it if we weren't living with my mother-in-law, yeah. who's also supporting, yeah. you know?
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And it, I, I remember getting married at 17. My husband was 19. We supported ourselves and it was really abnormal. Okay. I got married after high school, but you know, it just was the way it was and rent wasn't exorbitant and yeah. you couldn't. And college debt, you know. I mean, there's just so many factors. So there's so many scary things, you know. Is North Korea going to bomb us? Is you know, are we going to get? I would say. Is this my plane going to go? Am I going to get shot at college? Yeah. Am I going to get shot at high school? That's all these things and worries and fears. People are looking for something to hang on to. I can't imagine living. That is
1: the. That is the background music of my consciousness, mm. like, and I think that is for my generation. It's fear. I was if you, th- yeah. it's, I mean, it's fear, but it's also just kind of like, it's
0: the futility yeah. of everything, you know? Well, and it also, don't you think, it kind of puts you in survivor mode. It's...
1: Uh, we're, like, we're like,
0: I'm just going to survive. Hopefully I won't get shot at school. There's that. Uh, I got this debt. I, I can do this. I hope, I think, you know, when you, you're healthy and mature,
1: you can move out of survivor mode. Yeah. But you still have this, like ironic futility
0: yeah.
1: in the back of your head. Yeah. And that's where, like, you know, people don't understand, like, the Tide Pods thing. Yeah. But that's what that is. Yeah. It's a joke. But it just speaks to, like, we're all gonna die anyway. I know
0: <laughs> Climate
1: change, school yeah. shootings, like, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just this... Like, there's there not a lot to of hope
0: for the future, so be as dumb and stupid as you can. Well, there's that. There's If you
1: listen to, like, Father John Misty, he's wonderful. And um, but one of his, one of my favorite songs, one of his most famous songs, is basically talking about, like, the world is going to end, but I love you anyway. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna die, so just put on your wedding dress and let's love each other as best we can until mm-hmm. it all goes down in flames. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I think so. There's this hopefulness to it when you're mature about it, but it's still there. It's still a futility
0: in the background. It's funny, cause my one of my favorite Dave Matthews songs, yeah, is when the world ends. Oh Have you yeah. Heard that? Oh, it's so good. Oh my god. Well, that's yeah, very sexy, but. yeah. <laughs> then- <laughs> He's my thing, okay? If yeah. he shows up, everybody in my life knows I'm gone, which he's never going to show up at no. my door. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's like when the world ends, collect your things. You're coming with me, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it is this fatalistic way. And so like, well, what about the future? And. What about, it you doesn't know, mean we don't heaven, think about the like, future no and you know but what? how do
1: you be realistic and yeah. you i mean you have faced cancer in your family twice yeah and so you may have another uh, you know a more mature perspective on this than i do but how do you face the end of all things and God. still have hope to keep you
0: going you yeah know? well yeah well i tell you this week i had an experience Ugh, so hard and I, you probably watched my fifth video um there was a little boy. I say little, but he's 19, but he's teeny. He's probably 80 pounds, 90 pounds. Mm. Looks about 10 or 11. Precious kid. Oh, my gosh. And I met him a few months ago, right as he was going to go get a brain surgery. And I prayed with him, I remember. And he had a similar doctor. He has the same doctor as Josiah, who's a miracle worker, I swear. So talented. And I prayed with him. It's been about, actually, six weeks ago. Well, what they did is they opened him up and thought, no, he's just going to die. Oh. And so... I reached out to the mom, and the mom actually told me, I told her that Josiah was praying for her son, and she said, well, that's nice, thank you, but we're not religious, Mm. and I was like, okay, and then um, I said, you have a heart, whatever, and then a friend of mine that has the chestnut house said, Kathy, come tell Josiah's story. He's going to be there, so Josiah's story is very unusual, and it's, You could frame it as a miracle story Mm because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But he did die, and I did watch my son die. And then for some reason he woke up, and then for some reason this new doctor had just gotten there, which was 22 years ago. And for some reason my son is here with me today. Yeah. And I had to tell that story with a young man sitting right next to me, knowing he had the same surgeon who wasn't able to do the miracle. Yeah. You know, surgery on him. And I didn't know how to frame it. And I have to tell you, I was just really torn. Yeah. And I
1: don't know if I could have told that I just story looked there. at
0: him and I said, honey, Zach, listen to me. Kathy's having a really hard time right now because I don't know how to tell you this, sweetheart, in a way that honors doesn't team. feel bad. Yeah. And doesn't feel like. But all I can say is that we all have an expiration date. And for some reason, Josiah's expiration date was not 22 years ago. Yeah and he's still here and for some reason and luckily he not luckily but he had been diagnosed many years ago and has been battling cancer for so long so he knows he could have died ten years ago I said "You, you could have gone years ago and he said yeah I could have and I said they say you're gonna go now soon and he goes yeah and I said but we don't know we have today right sweetie and he said yeah and I said I had cancer last year I don't want it back but if I get it back I don't know, but you know what? I could get hit by a car tomorrow, and I got all excited (laughs) about that, and he got it. He understood. I said, we don't really know, and he gave me a hug, and we just had a precious time, but then I went to his benefit the other day, and he literally maybe has days left, Mm. and I left that benefit. I hugged the mom, and she was so precious. Oh, my gosh, and I had such survivor guilt, like, Mm -hmm. why did my son live? And then I watched that movie yesterday, you know, and it's like, I got this good result. But you know what? I haven't gotten a good result about other things, you know, and I'm only here today. You're here today. Yeah. You know, we yeah. don't know what yep. tomorrow brings. And all we have is today. I hope there's a heaven. <laughs> I believe there is. I know my, my oldest son is an atheist and um, I have my two granddaughters and my one is they're both adorable one's five she's a little naughty and one's nine and she's pretty darn perfect okay and i love them both the same for the reasons why they're so strong i mean my nine-year-old is a little bookworm and she reads harry potter and she has really deep questions and never being impolite and always sensitive and the five-year-old is just a little terror oh my gosh and oh i love her so much because i have her figured out she's this puzzle i have to work you know and um but when I see them, my love language is prayer and affection. I love to pray for people, and I prayed for my children, always growing up, and even now I pray for students if they ask, or I I pray for people, and um I pray for my atheist friends if they sometimes they ask me weirdly mm-hmm. enough, and so it was really cute. I always try to honor my son and his wife because the books they read to him were more about like you're more made out of stardust and yeah you know what I mean more of an agnostic-y way, mm-hmm. and um uh, that's not a word but agnosticky. But last time I was with wayward. them, I was putting her to sleep and laying with them, as Grandma loves to do when I go visit them. And I just wanted to pray for them so bad. Just to, like, yeah, not so they'd get saved or anything like that, but just to bless them, like, yeah. like Jesus laid his hands on people. Yeah. And, and so I was struggling, and my granddaughter felt it. She's so aware. And she was like, Grandma, you want to pray for me? Aww. And I was like, um that's not this phone it's mine oh good okay she, she said you want to pray for me don't you and I said honey grandma does I'm sorry and she goes it's okay grandma <laughs> she said daddy doesn't know there's not a God <laughs> and she said you don't really know there is that's right so she said you just do what you want to do that's right and good I just said I said all right so I said <laughs> I said I prayed for her the way I pray for her in my love language and my frame of reference Mm-hmm. The way I understand it, Mm -hmm. uh, my language, like you said originally in this podcast, and um, she was so precious, but I felt really guilty, like I did this terrible thing, and I went down to the kitchen, and I said, all right, son, I have a confession to make. I prayed with your daughter, and he kind of laughed. He goes, what would she say, Mom? I said, she told me, Daddy doesn't know there's not a God. And he laughed. He goes, good for her. She's thinking for herself. Yeah. So it was beautiful. And I I, I feel um, like that should be the goal of every Christian household. It should. (laughs) She should be thinking for herself. Yeah, that should. And that wasn't any way I grew up, really. I was told what to think. Yeah. That is a wonderful story, though. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I dishonored her or my son. Um,
1: you got her consent. I mean, you, I you heard from her. her, her. Consent. And you, you having that conversation, she,
0: she blessed you with some little She wisdom. kind of did. Yeah, you don't either know, Grandma. <laughs> and, and I always say this. This is my argument. If at the end of the day, it's not Pascal's wager because I am not afraid of hell. Mm-hmm. I believe that if God's going to punish people for eternity in hell, I am going to sign on to go to hell with the people that I love because I don't believe that if God is God, that he's not at least kinder than me. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine letting my worst enemy burn for longer than a second. Yeah, I can't. I don't yeah. have it in me. And if I'm made in the image of God and God has any kind of empathy at all, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. So Pascal's wager is what? You know, um, I don't lose anything if I believe in, you know, yeah. if you don't believe, you lose. You know, if I don't, if I believe and there is no God, I don't lose, blah, blah, blah. But it's just such a, it's just a, if you're you're in
1: Christianity, because you, honestly, I think salvation is a really selfish idea. If you're in Christianity, just so you can spend- Life insurance? insurance? Yeah. Yeah. Eternal happiness?
0: You're missing the point. Right. You're desperately missing the point. And Jesus kept saying, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is now. And it's now. And it's here. It's not heaven. It's
1: not there. And that doesn't mean that doesn't exist, because- I mean, right. I I've had mystical
0: experiences with yeah. people who have passed, but yeah, the kingdom of God is right now. The kingdom of God is here and now. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So I just figure if I am wrong and there is no God, I think it it was wonderful to have hope. Amen. That I would see people again that I love, but if I don't, I it just gave me a measure of peace. Yeah. And I have seen people without that hope. Like if this is all there is, how do I live on? You know what yeah. I mean. Like how do they live on, or how do the people they love, yeah, and struggle with that. So at the but end of the day, that's I, what you're talking about is a healthy skepticism. Yeah, you're
1: aware be, be that I could faith, be wrong. Faith, is not certainty. Mm-hmm. Faith is, it's just, you know, you you could be wrong, mm-hmm. but oh, something totally inside of you tells I'm you okay that wrong. you're not. You know, right?
0: And I try. <laughs> Actually, I've had I fall in love very easily, and I've fallen in love with i because i'm a professor i fall in love with 150 new students each semester yeah maybe it's a little exaggeration because not all of them i connect with on such a deep level but a lot of them i do a weird amount okay. yeah and i fall in love with people when i meet them I and mean, we. i fall mm-hmm. in love with you honey and i fall in love with so many atheists this year mm-hmm. like i have atheist friends from dogma debate that sent me recording equipment I, they send me the sweetest things i was just on a That's podcast wonderful. that i talked to you about that um yeah and I did this podcast on sexuality and spirituality and we ended up mostly talking about religion but I was afraid to send it to my Christian friends and I still haven't publicly because yeah. whoever finds this can find that out but I haven't went on my Facebook with I it know. because
1: those guys I did listen to that podcast yeah um those guys are so irreverent and uh, it a lot of Christians are going to have a problem with that they don't they can't hear it they can, yeah. you know it's like this whole thing, like, you have to be presented you, information in the way that you want to hear it to receive it, and yeah. like, Christians have that problem real bad.
0: And that's why I think that would be <laughs> offensive, right?
1: It, I think they would be offended about some of the things that were said, and they'd want to argue about it, instead of just listening and thinking, well, what about this was valuable, and what about it do I disagree with? And, yeah, you know, so you understand why I didn't post that. I do understand. Yeah. I think it was a really interesting conversation, though, and I, I wish that we lived in a world where you could post that without...
0: I feel like friends. in some <laughs> ways. In some ways. I feel like I presented the gospel in a really beautiful way, better than I, I do. have. Did, did and I'm not trying to brag, I'm saying I do. I feel like my thoughts were together and that my thoughts aren't always because of chemotherapy. And I was really happy the way the conversation went for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I feel I laid out something that's an uh, another alternative to religiosity yeah. in a way that was really effective. But And uh, if you I mean
1: I think when you're so connected to Christian spaces, the um the social cost of posting something like that can be high. But then, if that's what you believe in and you think that's a message that can help people, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't yeah. the next step say I should post this? But yeah. that's something that you pray about. That's a question yeah. for God that's, and you. And that's and what my
0: husband. Th- and that's what is my children. The right my sons were like, Mom, you've done so more, much scarier things than this. Yeah. You know, do it. You and gotta f- you uh,
1: you have to find your courage space. Though yeah. you gotta go to God with that and yeah. and ask Him, and He'll give you. The and courage I've also been thinking about how to frame it. If it's the thing it, to do, put th- yeah. Out there.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah. So I hate to make this about me. What was there that's okay? It was a good do. conversation. I did. I enjoyed that podcast. Yeah, but I, I I do think that we have to get out there. We have to get out there. We have to haul water to the desert I instead do. of the ocean. Well, you know what I'm
1: saying? Yes, I do. We, but I also I think that's. Uh, that's a calling that some people have. Yeah, and I think that I have it. And I yeah. gave, you know, I gave my testimony at yeah. the Overflowing Cup. Yeah, which is a wonderful coffeehouse ministry. Yeah. But I had never been there before, and I didn't know what I was walking into. And I was yeah. prepared for me to give this testimony and then to be booed off of the stage because mm-hmm. I do I talk about being queer. Yeah. And having been an atheist, and yeah. you know, I didn't know how that would be received. Um, and so I felt like. This is a story that needs to be told. It needs to be told on behalf of queer people, but also yeah. for queer people.
0: So you took um, a risk
1: that night I too. I did take a risk. In a way,
0: you were in a similar position. And yes,
1: and yeah. But God used it, man. Yeah. It was incredible. I still, I'm like, I'm reeling and absolutely mm-hmm. grateful and kind of just mm-hmm. surprised because you know, as a person with depression, thinking. Okay, God, I know you're asking me to do this, and I think that you can use me. But then having just seeing the results of that, like, yeah, God can use you. God can use you. Yeah. You know, it was incredible. Um,
0: I was there. I was really proud of you. It was. It was beautiful.
1: Did you stick around? Um, Two people walked out while I
0: was giving this talk. Really. Um,
1: Both of them were in tears, and I Mm. thought, Oh God, I have. I What did I do here? (laughs) You know, did I put Mm. people in an unsafe space? Because they've been through things that they weren't prepared to face, um, but I, one the w- w- a woman, who, one of the woman who had walked out came back about an hour after my talk was over, mm. and um, she told us that she had been considering taking her life, which is one of the wow. one of the things that I talked about mm-hmm. in my testimony, and um, she was just absolutely in the right space. She the the volunteer team there um, just held her and they got mm-hmm. her talking. And then she was able to go home that night with a sliver of hope, beautiful. you know, wow. um, and and a group of people who were gonna call her during the week and make sure she was okay and see how she was doing. And she's still suffering. She's been through a lot lately, uh, a lot loss of her children
0: mm-hmm.
1: almost, and her grandchildren. Um, mm-hmm. was a big deal, but she's such a beautiful person. And I I just can't believe that I was used in that way. I mean, That's I can, amazing. cause I was there. Um, But it was 100% Mm -hmm. not me. It was simply my willingness to let God Mm -hmm. do something with me.
0: Yeah. And I guess, at the end of the day, do we want to please people, or do we want to be used of God to reach people that need to hear what we have to say? And I guess that's, uh, you know, I had an atheist um, listen to that, Sex and the Pews, episode 11. And um, they said, wow, they said, Kathy, your atheism's greatest threat. And I thought that was so silly. <laughs> and obviously too much of a of a, a perk or a what do you call it? A compliment. But I appreciated it coming from an atheist. That yeah. tells me that they they liked it and they yeah. heard me. They got And s- that it was different. It. Yeah. yeah. And I find I resonate more with people that are at least questioning, if yeah. not even unbelievers at this point. And yeah. that scares me sometimes, I'll be really honest with you. Yeah. Am I deconverting? De- Am I in a process? Mm. Um, David Smalley teases me. Okay, Kathy, we're just going to keep doing podcasts with you. Until you and we're going an to see that you become an atheist. But at the end of the day, honey, I have such a sense in my heart that God is real. Take away everything else. Okay? Take away the dogma. Take away the doctrine mm-hmm. of reconciliation or hell or yeah. whatever at the end I of the day, absolutely for me to tell you that God isn't real I have to lie about something in my core yeah now did that core come from because I've always believed it and it's familiar Kevin, Or does that core come from what I really believe at the end of the day
1: if you have a switch in your brain and you suddenly go oh God doesn't exist and you are still out in those spaces, meeting people and having conversations with them that teach them something deeper about themselves and the world and what we know is God in this moment, you are still doing
0: God's work. Mm -hmm. You know? um, It's funny you say that, because David Smalley, who I don't know if he ever listens to mine, but he's my bud, on Dogma Debate, who I was telling you about. I believe all the time he's doing God's work yeah. because he exposes so much Christian bullshit yeah that says that he goes there's no way that can be Christianity yeah and I'm like amen as a believer I'm listening to him yeah. going you are being used in fact when my atheist friends that are his supporters texted me and said Kathy your atheism's greatest threat I was listening to David the next day and he was so kind and so nurturing To a believer, an ex-gay man, a man who said he's been gay, an ex-gay for 28 days, and he's older. You could tell his voice was older, but he got delivered 28 days before, and David was like, dude, I just think you haven't seen a hot guy for 28 days, (laughs) and David's like, come on, man. Well, I know that God, blah, 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 and he's like, couldn't that God love you like like this, you know, and David was supposing these things, and I kind of had to laugh, and I thought, okay, if I might be Dave, atheism's greatest threat, which I know I'm not, maybe David is Christianity's greatest threat because he's putting it back in your mm-hmm. face, mirroring it back to you and showing you, mm-hmm. wait, this is insane. It is insane. And but in a way that can oh, be
1: received.
0: Yes. Okay, so he's doing yes. it in a kind way that at the end of the day gets people to rethink
1: their position. The biggest question in all of that, because you're talking about these two ideologies, atheism and Christianity, but the biggest question is where is God? Yeah. Where is God in that? And I don't... Yeah. I think the answer is
0: really muddled. He's, he's in there in everywhere. In everywhere. He's in there he's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And when I hear David so much, and he, if, maybe he'll never listen to this, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I resonate. His spirit resonates with my spirit. Yeah. And I'm like, honey, we know the same guy. Yeah. The same, or or her, or whatever. Yeah. We know God. Yeah. And um, it was really, I, I'm going to bring up part of his own testimony. I've been following him for a year, and then wondering after I got to know him, where did where did he? Because his testimony is at eighteen, he got baptized, and he wrote a book called "Baptized Atheist." Well, there was this bapt. Okay, I'm so sorry. Let's keep going. So there was a um, he this Baptist minister or cop from Texas was on the phone with them, and it was awful. It was cringeworthy. I had to shut it off halfway through because by now I love this podcast host. He's my friend. Yeah. And this guy was such a dick. Pardon oh. my French. And he was like, David, you never knew God. David, you are the greatest enemy of God. You are bringing people to hell. Uh. And he kept saying his name over and over. David, David, David. And David, finally David loses his shit. And he's like, stop saying David. Stop calling. <laughs> so afterwards, he put on his Patreon, hey, what should I change my name to? Okay, Because <laughs> he was so fed up. Yeah. This guy was such an ass, and he was like, David, you never knew God. If you knew God, you would still know God, and you wouldn't be trying to offend people and get them to not know God, and David's like, you don't know me, man, Yeah. and then the Holy Spirit, when I was listening to it, I would say the Holy Spirit told me to like shut up and just pay attention. I just felt this, like, mm-hmm. he said, when I was 18, and I was in my car, and I almost pulled over, I just I knew we were headed to a moment where David was just going to be really real, and he said, I was just about ready to get baptized. And I wanted to be good enough to bear this name of Christian. It was real to me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I wanted to be good enough to be didn't want to be a salesman selling something I didn't understand. I wanted to be good enough to know exactly yes. And I had this look flash across my face. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. But it was like this, maybe this look of doubt. But I was just because I was self-doubt. Like, yeah. And the pastor went, wait a minute. If you don't know yourself for real that every word in that Bible is true, if you don't know it all to be true, you are not a Christian. Hmm. So he got baptized anyway because you're up there, right? <laughs> but he went home and he read his Bible front to cover in the next six months and thought there is no flipping way Yeah, I can stand behind every word of this being true. Yeah, But who set him up for a crisis of faith? His pastor. That pastor yeah. set him up by saying that bullshit statement. Yeah, And I feel like that's when his atheism started. I mean that man created it. Yeah. And how did he know? But can
1: we talk about that? Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: You can't. I I come
1: from a denomination and people are gonna disagree with me vehemently, and that's fine. You cannot take every word of the Bible literally. Oh, absolutely. I'm I got you, baby. It is a story of salvation. Yeah. Which means that it was about people who were fucked up.
0: Right. <laughs> Amen, sister. Yeah amen and jesus said the word is written on your heart you don't yes. even have need that a man teach you Yes. okay you could throw out my bible because i don't worship it i yes. worship god. jesus and god our god yes. and here yes. it, it, in my mind jesus embodied who god really is so for me it's jesus okay yes. um and so that bible i can be led by the bible that's written in my heart the scripture the word of god is yes. jesus i love what you said i'm going to bring this up yeah. you were talking the other
1: day about red light, green light, yeah. theology. Yeah. When you're confronted with something, you kind of you measure it based on your heart, and you yeah. say, "Is does this make sense? Does this feel right to me?" Yeah, red or red or green, red or green light. Yes, sometimes go with it. Sometimes it's yellow. Red light, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's yellow. Yeah. I love the yellow moments because I feel like those are the places where it's not clear, and then that's where learning happens. Yeah. Then you kind of seek out where God yeah. is in the moment, and and that can create yeah. really interesting learning spaces for yourself and the people that you're with. One thing I'm really proud
0: of your generation is you guys are seekers. We weren't so much. We saw, we looked, we, I believe God puts it in all of us to seek. I do. But we looked and then said, this is a whole, we were told what it was. And okay, you guys seek, 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 seek. Let's get back to Pablo Fury for a second here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's
1: exactly, your
0: generation was taught by,
1: you know, opening your mouths and having knowledge dumped down your throats. Yeah. And, and Pablo Fieri came on the 70s, same yeah. time as the whole, like, uh, the Jesus people and yeah. uh, the second Vatican yeah. thing. And, um, but, and he changed the way education is done. And so as I grow up, and even more so for my kids, I wasn't taught to just open my mouth and receive. I was taught to engage with what I've learned. Yeah. And that has given me the confidence to know that I can look for things and I don't take things at face value. I really want to know about them. Yeah. And I think I see that in my generation, too. I wouldn't say that's
0: characteristic of everybody, of course. Well, and you also have the internet. You know, you have fact checkers in your pocket. Yeah. So, like, I'm embarrassed, but I went to college at 42. And what I'm embarrassed about is I still thought the earth was 6,000 years old. Mm. And then I took a geography class. Yeah. Or geology. Yeah. Holy crap. I thought, this guy's showing me a rock that he says is millions of years old. Yeah. Okay, my first instinct is... You're full of crap. The earth is 6,000 years old. Yeah. And I just bought my husband a beautiful fossil for Christmas. That's awesome. I've been looking at that. It was literally. It's so cool. Millions of years old, evidently. Yeah. Even as I say that, my brain, and, uh, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. But I just never questioned. And uh, it's silly. I saw trees in the redwood forest that were more than 6,000 yeah. years old in California. So. Yeah. But,
1: <sighs> but hold on there. Because you
0: do. You do at some point here. I know, I mean, we were all indoctrinated a little bit yeah, yeah. growing up Christian. Oh, but okay, what I wanted to say though, I didn't have a fact checking thing in my yeah. back pocket. Yes, yes. I didn't have a computer to say, do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, so the question
1: for our age is, and if, if I think if churches don't get behind this, the, the pews are going to be more empty than they ever have been. Oh, but yeah. the, the question is, given everything that we now know, yeah. how do you reconcile faith with that? And the answer is not certainty. We know the earth is 6,000 years old and we're going to, you know, Mm -hmm. die on that hill Mm -hmm. arguing about that. Is it, but, but, but really like, okay, so how do you reconcile a million years old earth with Mm -hmm. this God and the scriptures that we have? And that, that is a beautiful yellow space Mm -hmm. to have to learn in, you know, Mm -hmm. what can we learn about God from that?
0: Yeah. That's good. Cause, if, yeah, the yellow is where the fun is, right? Really. Yeah. The and yellow yeah. is really, could God be that good? Yeah. I remember when somebody, you know, 20 years ago suggested to me through tentmaker.org, one of the best places to go for a believer that's indoctrinated in a doctrine of hell. The man just died this year. And he mm-hmm. probably did more against the doctrine of hell than anybody I've ever known, you know, in my lifetime. But, wow, when... All he did was, his first initial cassette tape, that's how old it was, all it did was ask you questions. Ooh. Do you believe God is sovereign? And you were supposed to answer yes or no to these things. Huh. Okay. Do you believe that um, his will is higher than your will? Well, no. Do you believe it's God's will that all would be saved? Yes. Okay, you know, and it made you, it just basically upset your whole theology in 30 minutes by just asking That's you questions. Fantastic. It was a beautiful approach. And they were yes or no questions. And it was at the end of the tape, you were like, pardon my French, okay, but it's a new generation. What the fuck <laughs> do I believe? Uh uh-huh. Because I have no idea now. Yeah. And it was really beautiful. And then he began to deconstruct. And all I did was begin to wonder and contemplate. Could God be even better than I had imagined in my own mind? Yes. Could his mercy really be new every day? Yes. And then someone said, well, then that means that God would have saved Hitler because Hitler killed 6 million people. But then I thought, but the God I have believed in is way worse than Hitler because he's eternally punishing billions of people. Yeah. Not just Hitler. Not just Hitler. Yeah. So, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. And so when I began to encounter and think the fact that God might be good in that yellow space, I love that. The yellow space. We could start a church called the yellow space. Heck but yes. <laughs> when I began to think about that yellow space, all of a sudden, I would call it the Holy Spirit began That's to bring right. other voices. When you let see, God I'm certainty. better. I am better. Oh. I am better. And then confirmation. Yes. Somebody would say something, I'd be like, oh. then I began to see God, Megan, in the Goodwill Hunting movie. Yes. When, when he's hugging Matt Damon, oh. Robin Williams, and he says, It's not your fault. Yeah. All of a sudden, I saw God there. Oh, All of a yes. sudden, I would be at church and hear a red light. Mm hmm. And then I would turn on Oprah and get our freaking green light. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Or it's like a Deepak Chopra or something. Yeah. like, Or, uh, you know, any kind of a movie or a song. I remember I used to teach recovery. Do you let go of certainty? Like the Bible. Yes. This is the
1: one thing I. One of the things I'm getting out of the Bible now that I'm kind of renewing my relationship with it is. It's talking about the fear of God is necessary for wisdom. But we're not. But what is the fear of God? Like I was raised to think that being afraid was righteous. That's what we're talking about. The fear of God is humility. When you are humble and you can let go of what Mm. you think you know, you
0: make room for God to teach you wisdom. Oh, that's beautiful. And when you begin to open up the possibility that God is everywhere and there is no secular and sacred. Yes. Because I'd grown up secular music, Christian music, secular, this, secular. And I remember a girl taught me something. Whenever I teach, I always learn, whether it's in college, whether it's recovery. Um, I used to teach recovery for years. And I taught recovery. And this one woman who was a recovering addict, she said, you know what, Kathy? I said, God, screw you. I want nothing to do with you. I threw out all my Christian books. I got rid of all my Christian CDs. I got rid of everything Christian. And I got in my car one day, and I had the radio station, and Garth Brooks' song came on. Um... To make you feel my love,
1: uh-huh.
0: I'd go hungry, I'd go black and blue, I'd go crawling oh, across the avenue, I'd go. Yeah. All of a sudden, that was not a love song from man to woman. She yeah. said, "God was like, fine, I'm coming to you, man." Yeah, and he said, "I'm gonna sing this to you. I'll do anything it takes to make you feel my love." Yeah. And she said, "I'm broke." Because he came to me. He didn't wait for me to come yes. to him. And when I tried to shut him out, he, like, jumped over that wall. Yes. And then the other day, I be, I told you I was a day. God of the universe is seeking you yes. out. Yes. Yes. The other day I was listening to my <laughs> Dave Matthews, okay? And I love that song, Space Between. And I've always thought of it as, like, this incredible love song or, you know, definitely, like, just really, the words have always killed me. But I thought of it even that, is God. I'm the space between what's wrong and right. Mm-hmm. Hiding agree, here, waiting for yes. you. Okay? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, wow. I'm the tears that, I'm the rain that falls like tears down the window of your soul. You oh. know, I am the, it's like, wow.
1: Yeah. That's, so you're reminding me of Buddhist things again. The idea that, so the space between what's wrong and right is like, I'm. Ta- we're kind of talking about that as like, you're holding on to these things you think you know. Yeah. But it's also like our culture always makes a hierarchy. We're yeah. always looking for the man is higher than the woman and yeah. the church is higher than the man and the God is higher than the church.
0: Yeah.
1: And and Buddhism taught me, and I, I reflected on it and I've embraced it, I think, that hierarchies really don't exist. Those mm. are things that we create. It's added baggage that we add to the world. Mm. And when you are able to look... Not <laughs> Look at things in a non dualistic way and just see things kind of like as they are and not put one thing over the other thing and create these like systems
0: uh, of oppression. Mm That you find God there, and you know, (laughs) it is for that you say oppression. I think of that verse, it's for freedom that God set us free. Yes, he's, I mean, God wants us to be free. Yes, and freedom feels like freedom, (laughs) right? Yes, right. What is that Janice Joplin song, you know? Um. Freedom's Freedom is just another, another word
1: for nothing, nothing left to lose. Yeah, I don't
0: have anything to lose. Do yeah. I? Well, my reputation. Okay, what is my reputation? Call me a broken woman who loves you know, loves people wherever they're at. Yeah. And if it means I say, fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, but okay, yeah. let's talk about demographics. Let's talk about yeah. this generation isn't offended by that. But nope. they're very offended by faith. You want to
1: know what oh, that's Because true. it
0: doesn't mean to them what, you know, the Princess Bride quote, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> I don't think yes. that word means. Yeah. They don't see it in that way we see it. So you say faith, they're going to run. You say fuck, they're like, fuck what? What are you talking about? Yeah. What do you have for yeah. me? Tell I have, me.
1: In my house, so this is funny, it's a generational difference between me and my mother-in-law who I live with, is like, I, I will say fuck and shit. Yeah. Um, and they don't bother me. I think they're great expressions. They feel very yeah. good rolling off the tongue sometimes. Um uh but then she'll say things like i can't do that or we shouldn't do that and i yeah. say can't and shouldn't are bad words yeah you know because they yeah. put you in a box yeah. they limit you they limit yeah. god yeah they give you shame and
0: regret like those are yeah. bad words have you ever heard uh, brenda manning is precious but he's a wonderful author but he said thou shalt not shut on thyself
1: <laughs> I, I love have, it
0: i have lived my whole life shooting yeah okay should kathy should do this kathy should be that kathy should 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 it's should. an awful thing it's horrible and it's addiction it's you know what? Yeah. it's that it's the unholy trinity the god of attaboy <laughs> the god of ugata <laughs> uh-huh and the god of um you uh what's the um the money mammon you know it's those are the three unholy trinity of the christian american god Damn. you know and mm. they it's it's crazy Mm -hmm. performance oriented christianity is total mental illness that makes you crazy legalism
1: yeah i will say i have found christian spaces not just my church that i've joined um but like you mentioned recovery and i christian 12-step program called Mm -hmm. celebrate recovery Mm -hmm. you know it's it has its issues it's problematic in some ways but i have gotten so much out of that program Mm -hmm. just Like, the freedom to ask myself questions, to know Mm -hmm. that God loves me, and to let go of my baggage, Yeah. to stop using words like should, Yeah. you know, that's
0: beautiful. Yeah, that is a far more destructive word than shit. Yes, yes. That's a great point. Yeah.
1: And to be, it also puts you in spaces with people that you might think you can't learn anything from. You know, you think, I'm going here because you know, I, I just want to figure out, check it out, and then, you know, but you're with the codependent, you're with the depressed person, mm-hmm. the suicidal person, you're with the addict, mm-hmm. you're with, and you find that you learn from those people, and yeah. they become your
0: friend, your family, yeah. you know,
1: community, it's a you great know, lesson, we need each
0: other, <laughs> we need each other, yeah, and we can't heal without each other, but we need people who are not like us, right, we right. need
1: people that can teach us things right. and not just agree with us, yeah, that's so true,
0: and teaches things by even their brokenness. Yes. That are broken in absolutely. different ways.
1: That's what God never wastes to hurt. Yeah. That's what they say in recovery all the time. Yeah. God never wastes a hurt. You have something yeah. about you that's fucked
0: up. Yeah. But God can use that to yeah. teach, to heal you right. and others. Yeah. I know when my son got brain cancer and was dying and, you know, I, and even when, though he lived, he still was on life support for three years. Wow. And we went through okay. hell. In many ways, it was worse because he lived for a long time. Yeah. And, um, my marriage didn't survive and, um, I thought it would and it didn't, Sorry. but I remember God gave me first Corinthians where it says, you'll be, you'll comfort others with what you've been comforted. Yes. Cause I remember when my son was dying of brain cancer, I didn't want to talk to a mom whose kid had the chicken pox. I really didn't. Yeah. You didn't really have anything for me. I yeah. needed to talk to somebody else who was going through this horrible thing. Because to me, brain cancer is like the worst thing you can say. And, oh, yeah, my kid was sick once too, I know. Well, what, do you have brain cancer? Well, no, you get the measles. and it was like,
1: I need, I need
0: somebody who's gone through my shit, okay, yeah. and it survived. I don't yeah. even mean that the kid lived, but that the parent didn't lose their mind. Yeah. You know? Yes. And I mm-hmm. was given that. And then mm-hmm. God was telling me, that's what you're going to be for other families. Mm-hmm. And I was able to be that, even after Josiah lived, for families. And I buried children. Um, went to their funerals and, um, Mm. did a funeral or two and yeah, it was so hard. But the reason those parents let me in that space, even though my kid didn't die, was because they knew I knew how they felt. Yeah. Where someone else doesn't, you know, sometimes until you've been through something. And so it's important that we share our pain. Amen. And, and that's one thing recovery teaches you. Yeah. There's a reason why AA, the 12 step group works. Mm Mm-hmm. Three reasons. The church should be like them. One, you have a sponsor. So mm-hmm. you can call somebody 24-7. You can't usually call your pastor. Usually they have an unlisted no, even number. Like,
1: I'm supposed to get a spiritual director because I want to be a chaplain and I'm going to yeah. go through school. But that's somebody that you call and you have to pay to talk to. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be one. I'm a pastor. I'm ordained. I don't know. But anyway. Sweet. Um, <laughs> then, also so you can call somebody. You have somebody that cares about you. Mm-hmm. And then secondly... You go there and tell the truth. Yes. When's the last time you went to church and you said, you know what? I am addicted to sex. I have not selfishly used sex to meet my own needs for three days. Yeah. And everybody claps. Yes. Okay. That's how church is supposed to be. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to come as you are. The Nirvana song. Song. Come okay? as you are. Right. As a friend. <laughs> right? hmm But we can't do that. Yeah. We I mean, don't tell the truth in church. We go, hey, how's everybody doing? Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Okay? It should be, who is fucked up today? We should all say we are. Amen. Who knows that they are more than their some of their fuck-ups? Yes. I am. Yes. Who knows God loves them just the way they are?
1: Me, my sister-in-law, who is who is a recovering addict, who is absolutely wonderful and relies on God in such a tangible way. That's taught me so many things. Yeah. Um, I was having a freak-out because I was going to my first... Master's level class ever. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't get, I just, I, I was just sensing this like nervousness in me and I was getting more irritable. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? And, you know, it goes back to my depression. I'm feeling unworthy. I don't think yeah. I can do this. I'm feeling unworthy. So I go to her. She's my accountability partner in my 12 step program.
0: Beautiful.
1: <laughs> and I say, Angie, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I I feel like I'm unworthy. And she goes, of course you are. Yeah. We all are. We all are. And God calls us anyway. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the love part. Like, we're so when you are in grad school? I am hoping to be in grad school. I took a preaching class as a student yeah. at large, yeah. um, but in my denomination, there's kind of a lot of, like, wheels to get through. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. community-oriented, so yeah. I've got a committee who's going to come yeah. together and talk to, Beautiful. Talk to you. Beautiful. So I'm I'm kind of waiting on my committee um, to get formed awesome. this summer, and then I'll hopefully start full-time.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I'm, yeah I did grad school, and cool. if my personality can get through, 100 years can. I always said, wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. That's great. Megan, this has been amazing. I've yes. written on my hand some things I can do to tag this. Um, okay. I've just been really, really blessed. Thank you so much for sharing Thank with you for me. Having me. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of rich stuff on here, and we got a little deeper than we get sometimes. So. Cool. Um, Good conversation. So, yeah. Bless you, sweetie. Thank you. I loved
1: this. <laughs> okay.
0: I can do this.